Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. Some friends are gathering with their daughters to read Newbery books, and I was invited to participate. I'll be completely honest, I have not read every book out there, and I feel like I'm sprinting to try to catch up. This invitation from my friends was a great impetus to begin an initiative within Bright Wings that I've wanted to do from the beginning. I'll be reviewing individual books, and I will be sharing with you my thinking and my framework for evaluation so that you in turn can learn to fly. I'll definitely be reviewing plenty of other books, but I'm just beginning somewhat randomly with this one. It's the Newbery winner from 2003 by Avi Crispin, The Cross of Lead. All right, how am I going to structure this? So first, I'll give you a summary of the plot. And I'm definitely a spoiler. So I, I want you as mothers and fathers to know the content of the book so that you can judge for yourself um, the facts and the main events of the plot and make a judgment about whether this suits your mission within your family to help you figure out, is this a good book for my child to read? Then I'll give you a critical evaluation of to what degree it is worth reading. I'll tell you what I loved about it, what I thought was of value about it, moments of beauty or insights into human nature. I'll give you ideas for how you can use the book at home to reflect on things that you want to talk about with your children, or just to be able to reflect on beauty together. Children's literature and middle grade fiction can be such a beautiful way to connect with your child, a beautiful way to develop unified uh experience of beauty and truth and goodness, a unified worldview, and as well as an opportunity to develop polite and humane ways to disagree. So I'll tell you what I love about it. I'll also be evaluating each work according to the criteria we've talked about. Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? I'll be subjecting the works to a kind of philosophical analysis where I ask, what are the philosophical assumptions of the book? In other words, what is it going to be teaching my child about the nature of freedom or of work or of human action or virtue or human destiny or relationships or community? In what way does each book help us to answer the great questions of life? Who am I? What is real? Where have I come from? Where am I going? What good must I do? Now, please let me offer you a caveat. I know that there are no perfect books. Even the most perfect books have one flaw. They all have to come to an end. What I want to offer you is some of my framework for thinking about this so that you can be empowered to give your children the kind of books that you want to nourish their mind and their heart, the kind of books that will help them face the complexity of the world with a wise and integrated soul. I intend to keep the book reviews pretty short. I'm going to begin with praise, then I'll give you a summary, and then I'll give you some analysis. I begin with the Newbery winner from 2003, Avi's book, Crispin and the Cross of Lead. It was the first book in a three-part series regarding Crispin. Crispin, Cross of Lead is set in the Middle Ages, and even though I would consider myself fairly familiar with books from this era, I don't think I've ever encountered a middle grade novel in which the language of the medieval times is so rich. It's really authentic. When you hear the language and the expressions that are being thrown around in this book, you really understand that this is another era and the parameters of this world are very different from ours. 
If you dust off your memories of Shakespeare, you know that they sort of even swear in a different way than we swear. Not that any of you swear. Of course you don't. There's so much religious language and religious behavior, even in one of the main characters who isn't much of a believer. For some of us whose memories of Shakespeare are rather dusty, it reminds me, it's like a running start to get kids' language abilities capable of helping them understand Shakespeare. Only it's less archaic than Shakespeare, eminently readable and interesting, really creates a different kind of world. The book is dark and dangerous, and the boy Crispin is surrounded by evil, but you have a sense of hope, even though he is poor and vulnerable. When the book opens, Crispin's not known by his name. He's actually known as Asta's son, and it opens with him burying his dead mother along with the village priest, and he finds himself pursued by the Lord Furnival's steward, who wants to kill him. Crispin discovers he has a noble name that he's been baptized as Crispin, but he must blindly flee for his life before he is told anything more about his identity or who his father was. Along the way, Crispin meets the juggler, Orson Hrothgar, known as Bear, who forces Crispin to swear fealty and servitude to him. Bear teaches him juggling, flute playing, and singing, almost making an apprentice of him. Bear feeds and protects Crispin, even though his language towards Crispin is quite fierce. Bear has business in a large town, business which is, in fact, treasonous, having to do with leveling social, economic, and political distinctions. Bear and his conspirators are discovered in the town, even as Crispin's presence in the town is realized, and he's chased again by more of Lord Furnival's men. It's been revealed that Crispin is Lord Furnival's illegitimate son, and that he's being pursued, that his death is sought, because they want to eliminate any claims that Crispin could make to the inheritance and rule of the land, and to consolidate the power of Lady Furnival. Bear is captured as bait to catch Crispin. With Bear captured and the inn where Crispin is staying in shambles, Crispin reflects on his life. The timid and grieved peasant boy from the village realizes he has changed. I kept asking myself if I felt different, if I was different. The answer was always yes. I was no longer nothing. I had become two people, Lord Furnival's son and Crispin. How odd, I thought, it had taken my mother's death, Father Quinnell's murder, and the desire of others to kill me for me to claim a life of my own. Then Crispin considers a word that Bear and John Ball, one of the conspirators, and Father Quinnell had used, the word freedom. Something I had never had, he says, nor did anyone in my village or the other villages through which we had passed. We lived in bondage. To be a Furnival was to be part of that bondage. Crispin goes on, as time passed in the darkness of my hiding place, the one thing I knew for sure was that as Bear had helped to free me, he had given me life. Therefore, I resolved to help free him, even if it cost me that new life to do so. Here, I think, is the peak of the story, and it it's a perfect way for us to see what is really valuable about Crispin Cross of Lead and what is problematic. First, what is really beautiful is that through conflict, Crispin has come to realize that he is a self. 
his mettle has arisen in this push against him and the death of his mother and the murder of this priest who is going to help him and in his being pursued by Lord Furnival's men, he has come into his own existence. He's sort of been challenged into existence. Of course, he wouldn't be sustained in that if it weren't for Bear. He would simply be dead. He'd have no existence. But I like that it shows how character can arise through conflict. And the beautiful thing about what Crispin does when he first realizes he is a self, that he has something himself to offer, he's ready to give that life back to the one who helped establish his life, Bear. He's willing, he's willing to risk his life to save Bear. He's willing to die for Bear. What seems to me to be kind of odd and clumsy is that Avi, the author, seems to think that Crispin couldn't be motivated to reach this point unless Avi had set up this kind of ultimatum between master-slave, master-servant, the powerful versus the oppressed. I disagree with Avi's conception of freedom as it's articulated in this book. It might be a very easy thing for a young reader to pass over is the understanding of freedom that's kind of implicit in this book. But I figured I would point it out to mothers and fathers so you would have kind of an idea of what's implicit. In this book and in Avi's other book, True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle, freedom is only possible when you break with past relationships. You have to break with cultural expectations. You might have to break with familial relationships. You might have to break the law in order to establish your identity. And freedom is juxtaposed to these other things which are seen as constraints on your identity. In the passage that I just read you, freedom and bondage are juxtaposed. And there really aren't any alternatives or gray areas. Avi doesn't do a good job reconciling the fact that Bear forces Crispin into swearing an oath of servitude to him. Bear is a super lovable character, and yet I don't understand how Bear is a consistent character. He forces Crispin into this master-servant power dyad, and he works at the same time he's working toward this democratized political state. In the latter quarter of the book, there's a really strong anti-hierarchy argument being made where equality is seen as simply the elimination of differences. Bear's not a consistent character, and yet somehow we're also supposed to find, we're supposed to think that Crispin is motivated by this desire for freedom and equality. We're supposed to think that he's motivated by Bear's political notions, but it's really not very believable. What I think is more believable is the aspects of Crispin developing trust and affection for Bear the father and son relationship that's that's springing up between them. Love is what both maintains Crispin and Bear's distinctions from each other, even as it gives them equality with each other. But Avi tries to sort of politicize their relationship, but he politicizes it in a way that's inconsistent. What's more believable is their love for each other, how Bear loves and protects and provides for Crispin, who's thrown out into the cruelties of the world. What's believable is Bear sacrificing himself for Crispin, which is the kind of fatherhood that posits life. It gives Crispin's own life to Crispin. And what does Crispin want to do immediately upon discovering that he has a life of his own? He wants to offer it. He wants to offer it back to protect Bear or to die for him. Okay, so there are definitely some great things in it. 
some beautiful things. It gives you a sense of the hierarchical structure of the Middle Ages. Some of the tricky parts about your child reading it, I would flag for you, is that you might have to explain what an illegitimate child is. You might need to have a conversation about the word bastard. You might want to work out in your own mind so that you can talk to your child about what is the nature of freedom? What is freedom for? Is freedom freest in the good? Is freedom simply choice? Is history, as Avi seems to assume in this book, simply the forward march of progress? Things just get better and better. And we congratulate ourselves on having left behind the social structure of the Middle Ages. Certainly, there's more to it than that. I would also flag for you the fact that the book has medieval violence in it. So there is someone, a, a dead body hanging from a gallows at the crossroads. There are, there's a murder and an, an attempted murder. There's a brief description of a village that has died out from one of the plagues. I would say that these things are described in a moderate amount of detail rather than great detail. So I, I just offer that so you can judge the sensitivity of your child. That's my brief assessment of Crispin, Cross of Lead a book of some great beauty. It allows us to have a great insight into the Middle Ages in the beauty of its language and the way that we are able to see the structure of the medieval world. But it has some somewhat grisly parts, um, parts that would need probably conversation, maybe not for the youngest readers, maybe for a mature reader where these conversations could happen. And it also includes a particular vision of human freedom and history. I hope this review of Crispin, The Cross of Lead by Avi helps you to choose books for your children that are worth reading. 